Here we are, episode 15 of the postcast, and this is a special one for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, this is a mid-season review, and I know we're not halfway through the season, but this is as close as we're going to get to that. And with us today, we are joined by Pat Brennan, who's going to sit in on the whole conversation, or at least until he gets sick of us and disconnects it. Honestly, I wouldn't blame him one bit there. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and just jump right into the, uh, the, the the hellos, the introductions. Pat, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you guys for having me back. It, it, I am I am truly flattered that I got the call for a second appearance because, uh, ser- in all seriousness, what you guys have done with uh, your pod is awesome. Like people <laughs> in the team listen to it. The interviews are great. Obviously, I was a big fan of the Dan McNally episode. And uh, you guys have taken this up several levels since I was on. Um, I'm envious because my own podcast endeavors at The Inquirer have only ever stalled and kind of crashed on the launch pad and exploded. So um, you guys are doing great. I'm honestly very flattered to get the call back. My Uh, my, My second cap for the postcast. Well, yes, I mean you are you are the the first person ever to be invited back, which is uh, you know, a, a very high honor. Uh, also, I think we can guest. go ahead and consider this, you know, the tryout for you becoming Yes, <laughs> yes. But this is this is the tryout for you becoming a permanent fixture here, you know. Let's let's see how this goes for you. I am the Jesus <laughs> Ferreira of <laughs> <laughs> of, this, of this episode yes yes right. uh, <laughs> people watching from the bushes uh, to try and figure out who the trialist is the tale is old as yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> trying to face match on transfer mark um <laughs> no also finally back from the eastern front recently embedded with the roma people grayson how we feeling? Has the hungover uh, has the hungover wore off here as you came stateside? Uh, no, I'm still. I'll probably start flagging in about thirty minutes. I, I'm still doing that. I'm going to bed at like nine, waking up at five. <laughs> in a cold going to bed sweat, at nine, waking up, <laughs> looking for the bottle of vodka. You know, he's gone native. <laughs> Reach, reaching frantically for the pillow menu that they had at at the nice hotel I stayed at that I don't have anymore i'm like how i need to sleep on the the bag of cherries <laughs> how how many options were on the pillow menu uh, that- uh it was it was four pages oh my so God. i didn't count the things so we did get like a like a cherry pillow and i don't know what i expected but it was literally a sack of cherry pits <laughs> what? <laughs> wait what, like like what happened to the rest of the cherries <laughs> were they were, were did, was there a note that like the cherries were all hand eaten and so you know it's like a very bespoke no like pillow. it was supposed to be like a they were supposed to be like a massaging thing but it was just like it's just like you could swing it around like you're in prison <laughs> you're trying to start you know, depending a fight. on what part of the world you visit when you say that i ordered off the pillow menu it gets you placed on an fbi watch list I think. yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh and I, I don't know how I'm supposed to transition, uh, but uh, Chief is also here. Chief, if you could fill your pillow with something that wasn't a pillow, what would it be? 
There are so many inappropriate and different ways to go with that question. It would be gam. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever I know. It would be my pillow, though. So as long yes. as it's my pillow, yeah. that's the important part. Delivered so on January 6th for everyone. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> Pat, Pat is uh, disconnect, regretting disconnect, his disconnect. decision. <laughs> I have a, there's a, I'm, I'm looking out on my front window here, and if I need to, I can just kind of dive Leap. out. No, uh, that's good. This is a pro tip. Like, if you're ever caught in a conversation you don't want to be a part of, if you flip your phone to airplane mode instead of hanging up, it'll say call failed instead of hang up. To make it look like you actually were like going through a dead zone. And then you can text back, sorry, cell service real bad. And then you're completely scot-free on the conversation. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a real pro tip. Is yeah. that what happened on the interview you guys lost? Yes. <laughs> some, hey, you, some you work in local gov- takes from Kenny. <laughs> you work in local government long enough, you pick some tricks up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well. It's not local government, but it probably gets more eyeballs than local government. FC Cincinnati. How about that transition? Ooh, I'm going to call it seven out of ten. Um, no, it's been a it's been a, a very fun year so far. I think we can all agree on that. It's certainly better than the last few seasons. Um, I'll I'll start off this this sort of mid season review very generally here, uh, and throw it to you, Pat. What's the vibe around this team, and what's your impression of this team so far? The vibe is great, honestly. I mean, it is great. the The answer is great. I think, you know, I had a, an interesting experience over the course of the U.S. men's national team being in town last week and, like, everything that comes with that, you know, part of which, which a lot of people don't get to see, but part of that is obviously, um, especially last week, because that ended up being U.S. soccer staged the most extensive, I'm almost quoting their email verbatim, but the most extensive media availability they will have on U.S. soil before they go to the World Cup, wow. which mm. I didn't know it was going to be that until a few days before. Um, so with that came a lot of national media presence, and there were some people, you know, like congratulating me on not having to cover the worst team in MLS. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> And I was like, yeah, you know, it's it's been it's it's been a lot of fun, uh, but you know, being around those people and who who cover like good teams consistently or teams that are consistently good, and also seeing like the high the highest performing American MLS players do their thing in training and yeah. at against Morocco, it it, it kind of caused me to take a step back and it, it helped me reframe what FC Cincinnati is. The vibes are great. It has been a lot of fun. Yeah. It feels like they are a winning team. Um but they're not. You know, they're in a playoff position. So maybe they maybe they're a winning team by that measure. But, you know, the record is a losing one and they're still a flawed team. But, yeah. you know, um They've far exceeded my expectations just to get to the impression piece of it real quick. And um, I think the most impressive thing is what this coaching staff and what the players themselves have done 
with the players at their disposal. Because if you told me in January that FC Cincinnati would lose Ronald Matarita early to a season-ending injury, uh, lose Alec Can to an injury for a significant chunk of the season, and basically get minimal contribution from Brenner, uh, but have six wins in mid-June and be in a playoff spot all to themselves, I would have said, that's ridiculous. Right. I wouldn't have made fun of you, but I would just sort of have said, that's ridiculous. That's <laughs> right, absurd. Yeah. How? Because uh, also, it's it's not just that, too. It's that if you look at the top, we made this point on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's still blow, mind-blowing, that if you look at the roster in terms of salary spend, the team is getting minimal production out of three out of the top four salary spend slots on the roster. Now, at least in one of those cases with Yuya Kubo and with Alan Cruz as well to a certain extent, it's been an injury issue as well. But Yuya Kubo, Alan Cruz, Brenner, and Lucho Acosta, and only one of those four is anyone that you would say that they have gotten the minutes they expected out of and the performance they expected out of. So is that the biggest difference this year? The idea that like the team is getting more with the bottom half of the roster, the replacements, and they're just getting more out of the entire roster versus waiting for the superstars to step up. I think that's true. Do you get? I mean, I don't want to dominate the conversation because no. like, I'm not the interview subject, unlike <laughs> last. Year. But yeah, look. I mean, yeah. look at what you're getting out of the supplemental spots, you know. And that's a credit to uh, you know Albright and Noonan and some of the guys they brought in. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 impressive what's happening here. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're a great team, but I think they can be a good team. I think we'll find out pretty quickly. After the international break, if that if they are a good team or not, because they're going to play really good teams, which they have not played well against by and large this year. But um, yeah, there's 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 I'll, I'll cap my thoughts with this. There's a lot to feel good about right now, and um, it's certainly even if they don't end up, you know, if good if being a good team isn't good enough to make the playoffs this year, that's okay because they're clearly trending in that direction. So pessimistically, then. Um, I worry with with what with what the chief brought up of, of we have three big contracts that the team has gotten we'll say for simplicity's sake nothing from uh, this year although you you could slightly quibble with that I think um, those people are probably here to stay through the rest of the season yeah I don't think so, that's true. I don't think that's well, true at all. Well, that's kind of setting up that that point as well here. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, assuming that those three are here, that does kind of does feel like it limits what can be done in the next window as far as a big player. I mean, you have Tyler Blackett's eight hundred thousand dollar salary that you could take off the books if you don't pick up his option. But man. <laughs> <laughs> right. what, what does that what does that leave you at, I don't know. at center I, I don't, back if you don't pick him up? I don't really think that those guys that you mentioned are here to stay. I mean, I don't know what your t- – we talked about this while you were out, you know, trekking across Eastern Europe, not participating or possibly participating in a war. We don't know. Um, no, I was doing nothing valuable. I was I was less value than like an aid – less valuable than an aid worker, but like more valuable than like a missionary. Okay. Because I was spending money at bars and stuff, and it wasn't bothering people. Hey, the local economy contributes to the war effort. We all know this. It's important. 
But, but I, what I was going to say, though, is that like we talked about this while you were over overseas, but the situation with Brenner feels very broken somewhere. I don't know where that is, where the disconnect is with his agent or with him personally or with how the coaching staff views him. Or, or what the situation is, but just there feels <laughs> all of like the above. all of the above. <laughs> it feels like there's a lot of smoke around the idea of Brenner not wanting to be in Cincinnati or his people not wanting him to stay in Cincinnati. And to me, if you've got a team that is flawed but good and you have the chance to, to make a playoff run and you can ship him out and bring somebody else in, this is the type of situation I would think where it would be very easy for Chris Albright to go to ownership and say, look, we are ahead of schedule. We were planning on turning the roster over a little bit this year, but instead we found ourselves in position to put this city on a playoff run. And that feels like the magic words here to get business done when you can tell Carl Linder and the ownership group that we are wanting to give this city something to rally behind. We want to make these home games. They've got a they've got a lot of home games on the back half of this season. Yeah. And that's a lot of tickets mm-hmm. to sell and you know, they're going to be competing with the Bengals come August and September for mindshare in this town, which is going to make things a little difficult. And I can see that idea of a playoff run, ending the season on a high, giving the the, the fans something to turn out about. That's the kind of thing that might make them more willing to eat a bad deal to get Brenner out of here just to recoup the loss, open the DP spot up, and let them do some business in the window. Like, just saying I want to get rid of Brenner if this team is going nowhere, I don't sense that's a conversation you have with ownership. But if you genuinely think that there's a way to make this team better and and put them over the hump, I I don't see how the, the front office turns that down given how dire things have been and how little there's been for the fans to rally around with this team. Yeah, but you have to ship him out then. If you, if it's if the idea is we're we're shipping him out to free up resources for a playoff run, it can't just be then a loan for the rest of the season. No, somewhere. you've got to ship him out. You're right because it's you can't because that... you wouldn't be able to bring in another DP, and you really wouldn't be able to bring in somebody on a substantial contract if Brenner's just coming right back on the books, at, at, you know, before next year, unless you have a real, yeah. real solid, you know, easily attainable. Uh, uh, not option, but like uh, trigger to buy, right? Yeah, I think the the flip side to that is I mean, there's two things. One is the team is in a playoff position with all of this dead weight. So if I'm the owner, I think, well, you just coast this out, sneak into the playoffs. If you can't, that's kind of on you. Up to this point, you've proven able to do that. Uh, but the other part of this is is FCC is about to run into something that I think every MLS team has run into a some way shape or form which is it's hard to unload talent that you don't want anymore outside of MLS I mean we've talked about the major contributors not or the major salary consumers that aren't contributing but I'd also throw in there relative to their their roster value Jeff Cameron Tyler Blackett Isaac Atanga even Barial although he has looked better recently um there's a lot of money that isn't participating in, in a lot of these wins. And they FCC, at the very least, I understand it's a new regime, but hasn't proven uh, successfully to be able to offload these players. I think they would have offloaded Alan Cruz by now if they could have, if that was an option. Um, you'd think someone like Yuya Kubo would have value outside of FCC, but he's still here. And 
the other part of this too, I think, is okay. You get these guys off the books, and we're now really going to test what Albright looks like as a GM, filling the high end, the top end parts of this roster. Yes, he's been able to identify the Johnny Nelsons and Don Bajis of MLS, but um, can he find other players like Wabodo or you know, hit on a signing as big as Brenner, which has been, I don't know, very difficult for an MLS team. Um, for all MLS yeah. teams, if you look at the right. the the incoming transfer records, um, outside of Almiron, you know, not a not a ton of success there. Yeah, you see success with like big names or promising players that come on free transfers or are loans into the league and things like that. There's a little more caution there. Um, yeah, I don't know, Pat. What's your take on? I don't know Albright's ability to to fill in the uh, the higher <laughs> I would say the higher yeah. spots on the roster here. Yeah, no, look, it's it's really important. Um, I'm just kind of trying to settle my mind. The chief really just really like opened my eyes to a new idea on the whole Brenner thing. I told Grayson that last night I was walking my dog in the rain like the pouring rain around midnight. <laughs> and I was like preparing my speech on the Brenner subject, which is a very, <laughs> I, the raw, like the raw take there is pretty, is pretty uh, like it's a hot one, yeah. but you know, I'm walking my dog in the pouring rain at midnight and like, like <laughs> with the idea that I'm like in the presence of Brenner. So I don't, this is I've been stewing on this, and now Chief has really rocked my world with that, <laughs> that idea of how you could un- look. I don't. Here's okay. Just to address the Brenner thing, which I have put, I'm going to say my piece there because I put so much damn thought and work into no, it. No, please. Now it, it was a take formulated in the rain. It sounds like a country song. I got to yes. know how this ends. <laughs> please. So look, I don't. I don't feel putting. I'm going to. I'm going to give some credence to what the chief said. I think that's a legitimate scenario or certainly an interesting one. Um, what I was going to say prior to having my world, my world turned upside down by that was <laughs> I don't feel like the situation is dramatically different for Brenner um, now and going into the window versus January versus mm-hmm. February versus when he asked out. Um, I think, have always thought and believe that one FC Cincinnati is not a motivated seller because barring a situation like the chief just described, you know, they've been embarrassed by this whole, you know, journey with Brenner, right? The transfer fee, everything really and embarrassed in little ways along the way, as we know this season um, that I don't think they're willing to let, the player and his camp embarrassed them again by dictating the, dictating the terms of his departure. So if he leaves, it will be on FC Cincinnati's terms. Brenner will have to play up to FC Cincinnati's valuation of him. Other teams will have to agree with that valuation. And then I think, and only then does Brenner leave um, short of that. And look, you know, I saw, look, he, he had a he had a decent assist in the Montreal match. He had a, a good there there like there are signs of life there. Um, 
he I actually thought he stood out to me today only at at at, at training rather um only insofar as he looked cheerful and Chris mm. Albright put his arm around him at one point you know <laughs> kind of uh, Nice little moments that I can't really provide any more context to because I'm not like I'm a hundred yards away from what I'm watching. <laughs> but I feel like um, Brenner, you know, if if he wants to leave, the only way out is up, and by that I mean he needs to perform. He there are signs of life, um, but you know, right now he's he. Short of that, I don't think he. I don't think he gets moved this summer. Um, again, barring what Chief discussed, and I don't think that there's a strong impetus from FC Cincinnati's point of view to move him for the reasons I just discussed. And you know, they've also done. I think a lot of the talk around Brenner's potential is speculative. Like I saw people say, like you need him on the field. Well, I don't think that's true at all right now because everything you've accomplished up to this point has been done essentially without him. Right. And the two assists he has to his name, by the way, uh, both came in losses. So it's not like he's, it's not like he's helped deliver any points or anything tangible. But isn't that a catch 22 right here that like, he's never going to play up unless he's playing. So you're sort of stuck in this cycle with Brenner where he's got to be on the field to increase his value yeah. Make someone think they want to pay for him. If he's not on the field, then the implication is going to be forever that he can't break into the 11 because he's not training well or he's out of favor with the regime. And if that's the case, you're just going to get people lowballing you on offers because they yeah. think it's only a matter of time before you break and get this asset off the books. Yeah. No, you've made a good point. The only thing I, the last thing I was going to say is he needs to outperform the guys in front of him. I think he's closing the gap on Don Baji just based on their statistical output. Although I like what Baji does, um, but yeah, like you know, what you just you, you make another really good point about the Brenner situation. But I will stand by that. I don't think FC Cincinnati is a motivated seller. Um, if there is, you know, if there is a belief that he could contribute at some point, I think they have. They believe they have motivation um to sit and wait for that to happen so they can realize you know the exorbitant transfer fee that they paid for them and i uh, you can't let him an past embarrassments especially if you're chris albright and pat noonan who had nothing whatsoever to do with brenner being here in the first right. place like that's not that's not really their mess if they can make it right and recoup some value there or get like close to all of the money back that's their money to play with that's their win good for them but you know, I, and I think they'd like to do that. Um, but yeah, you're gonna, you might be sitting on him for a while. I don't know. At some point, that's not a productive exercise. But I don't think he moves imminently. Yeah. So, so to tweak something that Pat just said a little bit, I mean, I guess you know, it's fair to say, and I can't really disagree with it that you, yeah, I mean, they don't need Brenner specifically on the field because they've done whatever they've done so far without him. But I do think they need somebody to produce at, you know, forward or One, yeah. attacking midfield other than Brandon Vasquez and, Absolutely. and and Lucho Acosta. And Brenner, to me, if he's on the team, seems like the person most likely to be able to to do that. You know, if he's 
if he's fed, if he's motivated, if he's if he's getting along with everybody and yeah. can play in the in the system the right way. Because I don't know who else on the roster you're going to get a lot of goals from, unless what we're seeing from Barreal, I guess, is is you know a, a, a leap. But yeah. that's very small sample size for that. I yeah. mean, the, big, the bigger issue is, is is not so much what they need to get from Brenner in terms of positioning on the field. It's his salary slot. It's there's only so yeah. far a team can go when they have a DP that's sitting the bench. And when they've got Brenner and Isaac Atanga both sitting the bench, that is a lot of premium salary position that you're just not getting the value from that you need to to, to go forward. And you're talking about coming out of so, break. We're going to we're going to test this team a little bit coming out of the break. There's only so much upward potential. The ceiling is only so high when you aren't getting those guys on the field giving at the level their salary structure in MLS dictates. The league is set up that in order to reach the upper echelon of the league, you've got to get your value out of your DPs and your guys, your 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 Atanga U22 spots. Your what, is he a young DP or is he a U22 initiative? He's or, a U22. U22 guy. Can, yeah. It's all fucking made up. I can't keep it straight. But <laughs> if you're not, yes. if you're if you're not getting the value that the league expects you to get in the yeah. roster construction like that, it's, it's real hard to take that next step that we're thinking, and okay, and make the playoff push and stay in playoff position versus loitering in that 7-8 right on the playoff line because yeah. you're, you're just not getting the roster value you need. Okay, so Chief, uh, a mental exercise for you, if you will. If you take a slightly more holistic approach to the roster and you imagine – Vasquez and Brenner as one player. So combine their salaries, combine their output. You're probably happy. You're getting DP-level production from a non-DP, and you're getting non-DP production from a non-DP. I I mean, yes, obviously you'd like to sell Brenner and, and better utilize that spot, but in terms of the forward pool's output, I think you're happy with how... Baji Brenner and Vasquez are are performing as a whole. I don't know. Maybe maybe that influences the the decision or maybe the desperation behind making a move at that position. Well, let's simplify that a little bit, right? Let's say you get to the end of the season and you have thirty goals combined from Brenner and, and Brandon Vasquez. And if someone told you at the beginning of the season that you'd get twenty five to thirty goals. Uh, combined from Brenner and Vasquez, you probably think that was pretty good, right? (laughs) Except for the fact that Vasquez is owed a contract at the end of this year, and the wrong half of that, it isn't under contract, (laughs) is the one doing all the production. I understand it's a future problem. There might be an option on Vasquez. It's not, I I don't know what the situation is. It's MLS. This is all made up. Maybe Pat. It's entirely possible he has a lifetime contract. Nobody knows. (laughs) It's indentured servitude. That amendment doesn't apply. Um, I, I, I don't disagree with this idea that you're happy with the production as a whole from the front line in this team, that the offense has looked, I think, very good compared to, I mean, it looks phenomenal compared to what we have seen. But just on the whole for this league, the offense feels dangerous. They create opportunities. I think this team is very good on the counter, um, which is something I didn't see coming this year with how bad they've been in possessing the ball and, and playing in transition in the past. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to be mad there, but it's also at a certain point you look at the roster and you get a little greedy and you're like, okay, well, they're they're in playoff position now. 
and they're down the roster spot they need probably to stay in that position. So if it, it here's the other thing too, is that I base 99% of what I think on just speculation that there's a problem between Brenner and the team and there's something going on behind the scenes that's counterproductive. But if, if Noonan can make this work, then what a feather in his cap in terms of being able to go to ownership and say, I took an asset that the previous regime bought, overpaid for probably, that they couldn't get value out of, and I got value even there. And yeah, yeah I think that he should be highly motivated to want to do that. that that's a I have... big deal. Yeah, I I've found it interesting in sort of the the agent drama that like the the roles or the motivations aren't quite matching up. Like if you're the agent and you want Brenner to move, which I think is a fair position because you you want him to get more playing time. I don't think like trying to burn the bridge with FCC is a great idea because he's he's just reducing his value and given the spent cost on Brenner that makes FCC less likely to sell I I think I would be more putting stories out there that like Noonan doesn't understand how to use an asset as great as Brenner or Brenner would be better served by a more established team with a more established academy I wouldn't be doing the Brenner doesn't get along with the coach and sleeps in and misses team meetings sort of like way to get out of this. It feels like the wrong direction to be taking your client. I don't know. I've never been an agent, uh, although I have tried at one point on the internet, but that was Well, if you haven't been time. an agent, you shouldn't be second-guessing the, what the agents do. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great – hey, you know what? I'm just a pretend podcaster, and I'll, I'll leave it to the experts here, but it does feel counterproductive. <laughs> All right, so if Brenner's not going going out they obviously want to make moves in the next window i would think who's going out in the next window to try and free resources up so grayson mentioned one for me which is tyler blackett and ah that's tough because <laughs> who fills the spot you yeah. better have somebody you better have somebody on a fucking plane that can play center back on <laughs> july 7 that touches down at CBG yeah. if you're I not going to pick that option. I don't. I know. I just. I don't. I don't want to see them keep him. Keep him on as a desperation move because, yeah. you know, I don't. He's on a big wage, a little bit high for me. Um, maybe maybe like just high, not a little bit. Maybe just. Yeah. Too high. Yeah, I, I would just say high. I think yeah. high is an appropriate Look, term there. It, it, it's it's an yeah. It's <laughs> it's an awkward fit. You know, I know Noonan and Albright would say, you know, they'd go to bat for him and say, like, like the point I want to make is he's not their guy. He was brought in by a GM that was fired literally like the next day after they brought him in, yes. and a head coach, a manager that was fired like two months later. It's an awkward fit. They didn't pick him for this team. Um, the salary number is too high for me, and this would seem like a logical time to part with that asset, but for the depth at that position. And I would just, I would hate. For, look, he's decent. He's not bad, but for that money, for what you're getting, and this is a really important point. Okay, when you're thinking about the defender, the defenders on this team, this is still a bad team defensively. Now that doesn't all come down to the goalkeeper. And 
the back four or five, like we sometimes talk about. Yeah. But um, this team has allowed, I think, it at best the seventh most goals in MLS right now, at possibly the sixth most at 25 goals allowed. So they're not a great team defensively. Right. And, you know, parting with – I no one is untouchable, obviously, obviously. No one's untouchable on that back line. I would like – I think I want to say I would like to see them part with Blackett, but for the personnel things. And I don't want to see them make a move in desperation. That is not the position you want to be making these moves no. from. Should you just no. decline his option and negotiate him down? I mean, just see if he get, see if he's game for that. That's interesting. You assume that conversation's going on, right? I assume the conversation's line, already yeah. right. <laughs> the conversation presumably already be going on. I mean, yeah. I what I think about is interesting about Blackett in particular is he is a career left back. He's played almost yeah. exclusively left back, and for whatever reason. Noonan has just refused to deploy him as a left back except for a mid-game substitution. I I think back particularly of the Orlando match where Ian Murphy was plugged in as the starting left back ahead of Tyler Blackett when I can't claim to know much about Murphy's college career, but I'm looking at a guy who has championship and Premier League experience at left back not being plugged in as the backup left back is bizarre to me. So I I wonder how much is like Blackett came to them and said he can't do it or, or he, he's failed the beep test so often <laughs> that uh, they don't trust him on the outside there. Um, but I, I would feel more comfortable bringing him or keeping him, I should say, if he had that versatility, but he just straight up doesn't. It's a weird yeah. situation. And the money is just, it's, it's, I, I agree with Pat. It's it's way too high for what he does for the team. Um, but the counterbalance to that is that you have, if you're going to move him, you have got to have an ironclad or decline the option. Because I think the option comes due, I think, before the window opens. It is does, yeah. option comes yeah. due. So you have got to have some ironclad deal in place with a center back for a day one move when the window opens back up. And it's got to be a... There's ink is dry. The guy's on a plane. He's literally waiting outside in the yeah. parking lot at Mike Castrucci's Chevrolet <laughs> across the street in, Mil- <laughs> in Milford. And that as soon as the window opens, he drives across the street and then starts training with the team. But that's what it's got to be because otherwise, oh. you're talking about a center back situation where it's a lot of guys who are, I'll say, athletically limited, either due to. Being athletically limited, or <laughs> you know, being up there in age, and just not reliable options to where you're one blown hamstring in training, or one bad step out of bed from being really, really deep in it in terms of an already poor defense. So it's, I'm okay with somebody, it. But you, you've got to be ready to move. I think you can sign somebody now, and they just they just can't play until the. The window opens because uh, uh, LAFC has already announced they've signed Chiellini, and I think which I should say I, think I saw somebody say he's eligible to play as soon as the as soon as the window opens. There is a there's a universe where we still have night camp, and Chiellini is this summer reinforcement at center yeah. back. So just <laughs> just imagine that universe for a moment. Hey, did anyone ask if we have discovery rights on him? Because I know we were after him and that was a pretty well sourced rumor. Like did we acquire some sort of 
Because that would be another source of free money. I I would assume, (laughs) and I'd even hope that Albright inherited the Discovery list and went, what the fuck? No. And just (laughs) took him off of it free of charge. (laughs) Moved onward and upward. We'll we'll see we'll see how it turns out. Maybe it'll be the great miss of the Albright era. But <laughs> <laughs> well, if they can do that and they can sign a center back right now, I'm all for it because yeah, yeah his wage bill is it's not it's he's not they're not nearly getting value out of him that they're paying him for. Which if you want to you know, talk about a theme I, of the roster, it's that there's a lot of people being paid a lot comparative to what value they're providing the team. This. This is a question Pat might be able to answer. I thought this was interesting, that the team never put Matarita on the season-ending injury list that would have given them some extra budget room to go sign a free left back, essentially. I, I don't know, pick pick the best left back out of USL, right? That yeah, right. Feels like Donnie Toya. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> yes, hey, maybe. What's Castillo up to these days? Um, Donnie Toya was, like, the third highest value yes. free agent left back on transfer market in the world. <laughs> that, that can't be accurate. <laughs> There's no... Uh, unattached like, FC, yeah. Right. Yeah. This is like this is like when all of a sudden Delta is offering a flight to Australia for twenty eight bucks. It's like the algorithm is yeah. mistaken, yeah. not the not the player value. <laughs> right. But but is there? I, I guess is there any hope or optimism around the club that Mata might be back? Say before playoffs. Should that's, playoffs happen? So that's my working theory there because like it's a simple transaction that i don't even think fifa has to be involved with that it's a league it's a transaction at the league level for the crazy mls rules um it can probably be processed in a couple hours so why wouldn't you i think um yeah i think that i'm sure they're hoping that's the case i'm sure they want to leave the door open for him i know he's rehabbing in costa rica right now okay uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to him in weeks there hasn't really been like an update of substance but it's been some time now yeah. you know i think he had the surgery that charlotte match was in late march i want to say yeah. yeah and he had he had the surgery either like the last couple days in march or like the first week in april so um it's been a little while now i think they're probably a good story for uh, a reporter, an enterprising reporter, to pursue this week, perhaps <laughs> at a time when there's at a time when there's nothing else going on. But no, I, they, what I was going to say too is like you know he I, I, one I think Costa Rica should handle New Zealand pretty easily in uh, the World Cup playoff spot for the World yeah. Cup playoff spot, and um, and then I, I think everyone always thought that would be the case. And for whoever, whichever nation came out of Oceania or whatever. And then, like, Matarita is a shoe-in for that team. Mm-hmm. And then I don't. I think you just don't want to close the door on it for him. So I don't know if that's, like, a personal favor that he asked for. Like, you know, he's in the prime of his career. You know, I, I don't – yeah, look, you're, all, you're, not, you're only ever looking ahead to the next World Cup, not the one that follows it. So right. I'm sure he wants to I, – uh, any of us would work like hell to try to get ourselves fit and just back in the conversation. You know, I yeah. think there there is enough time to think that 
on paper, like, yeah, most people ruled him out, including me, from yep. participating when the injury happened. But, um, yeah, if he has a quick recovery, maybe he could shoehorn his way back into the conversation. So, Kevin, your inclination there is what I have always thought. Okay. <laughs> but maybe we can shake loose, again, some – if some reporter wanted to make himself useful, his or herself useful this week, maybe some information could be shook loose there. I think, I think there's probably some clicks to be mined there. I think that there's – you'll get at least one page view out of that that I can promise because I'm very interested yeah, in I think what the so. situation is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Something else you might want to shake is uh, shake uh, Isaac Atanga, like off the team. <laughs> Just – can we, can we English press him? No, I like... mean, yeah, I don't have anything against the guy, but like, what's going on there? He's, he's well, a $4 look, million dollar player taking up. Uh... Yeah, look, I think his presence with, I, th- I think he was training at Milford today. Um, so I don't know if he would have gone. The, the FCC2 is playing against Fort Wayne tonight. Yeah. Uh, that game's probably over by now. They tied one to one. Did they? Okay, yeah. I saw, I saw it on Twitter. So yeah, like I don't, I don't know. I don't think Atanga made the trip, but um, yeah, look, his consistent presence with FCC two tells you probably everything you need to know about yeah. how they rate him at this point. I mean, and I, you know, my life being the sad thing that it is, I go to a lot of the home FCC two matches <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> and he's out there and he's he has the you know there are funny plays and missed opportunities and he's not getting the job done with FCC too so you know i can i would hazard a guess that they just don't have the trust in him to perform at an MLS level right now i don't know how that i don't know i i i can't tell you how or why the fall from not, I don't want to say grace because he was never really all that productive here, but right. he had a should have been, could have been game winning goal against Columbus, which w- could have put him on like a folk hero level. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in, you know, in the deep, dark reaches of the FC Cincinnati fan base. And ever since then, it's just been like off a cliff. So, um, but yeah, I think just. Look at what he's done with FCC too. The fact that he's consistently playing there still, um, that doesn't really bode well for him. And again, you know, it's like it's like it's it's an embarrassment a, a little bit. You know, like it sounds harsh, but it is. Uh, but it's not Chris Albright's mess. Uh, it's not Pat Noonan's call. It's just like they're just trying to make like so many situations on this roster. They're just kind of trying to make the best of it. You know. They want these guys. They inherited all this. They want these guys to. They need them to. Right. Uh, Th- thank God for thank God for Lucho Acosta because otherwise, I mean, it was just a pile of sadness that got inherited by yeah. Albright and Noonan. I mean, it's it's counter. All the bad is counterbalanced by the fact that you've got a guy playing at MLS MVP level. It's like thank God for that because otherwise, I mean, it's been challenging to say the least to integrate. Because if you look at the team right now. The majority of the guys that are doing the majority of the production are new fellow, new high, new signings to this team by the new regime. Um, other than Brandon Vasquez, yeah. but even like Vasquez, he's a guy where, you know, I, did did they bring him in or was that a, a? I always forget how he came in. He came in as a trade from a super draft. 
Or no, yeah, the expansion, expansion draft. draft. The 2020. Yeah. 2020 expansion draft. All right, so Vasquez. I'll give Vasquez to the last regime. But eh. <laughs> eh, maybe. They didn't. They refused to play him. I don't know if that was an yeah. – I assume that was a Stom oh, thing. Yeah. And they refused to play him. He only looked good under Stom, or I guess in, in last season, when Stom and Nijkamp were fired and Marshall was the one picking the lineup. Um, so I, I hesitate to even give them Vasquez. <laughs> That's fair. Also, you can yeah. make a case that Vasquez was a little, little lucky, because um, I uh, yeah. they, they they spent like one hundred and fifty thousand on him, and um, if you look at what MLS dot com graded out Nashville's expansion draft at, they I think they gave them like a B plus or an A, and one of the things they said was that they got really good value for. Brandon Vasquez for <laughs> shipping him out for one hundred fifty thousand. Wow. So, so at least at least one writer thought that was a little bit of an overpay for an unproven. Uh, yeah, he's probably got that. He's probably striker. got that article clipped up on his locker and on his refrigerator. That a yeah. pile of fake Don Garber money was judged as being more valuable than me. He I think everybody every time he kicks a soccer ball, it's motherfucker. I think everybody thought Brandon Vasquez was twenty five, like each of the last three years. Yep. He looks it like yeah. he he looks older than he is, and he he's, he's kind of like than Miguel the, Barry. Yeah, he's the reverse Forrest Lasso, which is like everybody assumed Forrest Lasso was like this raw, unproven talent, and then you're like, oh, he's 28. Like this is this is as good as <laughs> he's Lasso older gets. than older than Nick Hagelin. Whatever <laughs> <Right. laughs> he's like, oh, he, he'll come of age under us. This will be great. <laughs> not, uh, not not quite. Not quite. No, it is funny too that. Again, if it's not an Albright signing, it's a draft pick or it's an academy product in in Ordonez that is proving better than. Again, I'll, I'll pick on Isaac Atanga because we have already. He was a four million dollar transfer fee. That's more than Lucho Acosta. That is absolutely insane. The real dollars that was outside of the league the real dollars that were spent on him and yes he he occupies that u22 spot he also is the most likely casualty or maybe the least likely casualty of the if brenner goes once you lose your young dp you can't have three u22 spots so you'd have to either get rid of one or turn one into a dp i guess in this case no you can just buy somebody down or yeah, or you, or I guess you could buy somebody down with the gam you're going to get with the Brenner sale. But I mean, it potentially forces the sale of Barial as as a knock on knock on effect of that because I assume he's the only one with value there. So um, that's I don't, I don't think I don't, I don't really think so. I mean, I, no. people, I see a lot of people bringing this up, but Barial was like a one all in, even after he triggered some incentive. I think it's something like one point eight million dollar transfer fee. This is okay. his this is his third season. So this is the last year that his transfer fee hits the hits the books. Mm. He's so it's a it's a six, like a $600,000 per year hit. And his salary is still like what 300,000ish. Yeah, it's not insane. Yeah. So if you add that together that's 900,000. That's a that's a, that's an allocate that's a mid-level mid-level TAM contract. That's not somebody who needs to be a DP. But if you but if you move Brenner, you can tag Barreal as your young DP. 
See, I can't understand why this and, league isn't more popular. This is such great <laughs> content right here. Yeah, seriously. Or tag or Tagatanga as your as your young DP. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that would be a very like Albright like savvy MLS move. Yeah. Like you just all of a sudden like Khan is our young DP. <laughs> like yeah, that's we're doing this, baby. <laughs> all right. So bottom line is this team making the playoffs? Yes or no? What do you think, yes. Pat? I don't think so. Um, based on what we've seen so far, and like you know, extrapolating out, well, let's let's call it halfway through the season, even though we're not quite there. Extrapolating out, you know, what this team has done so far, they're five, three, and one against non-playoff teams right now. They are one and four against play teams currently in playoff spots in the Eastern and Western conferences. Um, I just like I, I when I said when we first came on here, I said I think um, they can maybe be a good team. I don't think they're a great team. And I just look, they've got they've got I think two games left with Philly, two games left with NYCFC, two games left with the Red Bulls, right? Like just a lot. One one left with Orlando. I don't particularly think that's going to go well just based on how FC Cincinnati won that and how devastated like truly devastating that was for the Orlando <laughs> franchise at the time um yeah and then you've got to go on the road to Salt Lake at Seattle, Seattle. you know it's just it's a little bit of a murderer's row coming down the stretch in the second half of the season and I think they'll be competitive I think they will I hate that word so much because <laughs> it's been like the thing we just we want to we're going to be this is the year, folks. We're going to be competitive. Yeah. Sign on now. Right. Get your right. season tickets. We are competing. <laughs> we, uh, yes. Wait, what? Right. Wasn't that the baseline expectation? Oh, never mind. Right, right. It's like, um, did you did you pass the algebra test? No, but I really <laughs> took it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So look, I, I think um, seriously, it is meaningful for FC Cincinnati that they will be playing meaningful games. Into I think. You know, bearing in mind the season ends the first Sunday in October, I think they should be playing meaningful games well into September. Um, but I think their ceiling is a good team, not a great team. And I think you need a little touch of greatness to navigate the schedule that they're going to have here. So yeah. I don't think they make it for that reason. No, I think I think that's fair. I, we all sort of reacted to it. The Seattle match being moved for CCL, I think, is going to end up being the backbreaker. So looking at yeah. the schedule, it is the third-to-last game. Yeah. It's on the road. It's going to be late. Uh, they, they'll come back home and then play D.C. the two weeks after that. But that's that's going to be a rough one. Seattle is, is absolutely one of those MLS teams that has learned that like the first half of the season doesn't matter and they try in the second half. <laughs> and they'll they'll be past Champions League. They'll have had this international break to reset. I I am worried about that in particular. It's like if we if we need points to maintain a, a sort of a fading playoff spot, that would be the backbreaker. And uh, yeah. if I could j- real quick, Kevin, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no. it's not just kind of going off your point there. Um it is Seattle. If they're not back-to-back weekends at Salt Lake City, it's back-to-back. It's back-to-back. I mean, you might as well. I hope they stay on the West Coast. I can't imagine them mm. coming back here 
to train. I mean, that's just brutal. Either way, any way you look at it, that is a brutal stretch. But please continue. No, I think uh, they give Alan Koch a call and and they just read us. Uh, they take up a residency in Edmonton, right? And <laughs> well, just that wouldn't like... help. Jeff Cameron and Tyler Blackett wouldn't be able to train. <laughs> You act like they're going to be on this roster. That, by that. <laughs> no, I, no I, I, I do think that that Salt Lake match is going to be whatever this team is going to do. It's going to happen in that match. That either they that's the one they win and that pushes them into yeah. you know sealing a playoff run, or they're going to lose there and it's it's all going to go out of control. Because I don't see them going to Salt Lake losing. And then going to Seattle and then pulling a win out—that's that's an all-or-nothing yeah. affair on that on that West Coast trip right yeah. there. Yeah, you guys are getting too in the weeds here. You guys, you're looking, you're getting too detailed with your analysis. This is like you—you uh, you, you... said the guy that looked up the transfer market value for the top <laughs> left backs and determined that where the fuck his name is Troya or that Dan Donnie Toya was the third transfer Donna, market left Donna back. Troy. Whatever, <laughs> nerd. Um, so it's it's a very it's a very actually a very simple analysis. So look, I picked mm. FC to make the playoffs in the first episode, and of course I'm not going to change the prediction. Yeah. No, they're in a playoff spot right now, but they're ahead of eight teams. Okay, and so who is gonna who is gonna is gonna jump them? Thank you. This so, this is this is what I was gonna say. If you run so down the list of teams under Miami, them, yeah. no Charlotte, no. Toronto, no. DC, no. Chicago, no. Okay, so that's five teams that I feel confident saying we're going to finish finish ahead of by the end of the year. Okay, that leaves three teams. Atlanta, New England, Columbus. Okay, Atlanta, I think, gets into a playoff position by the end of the year. Okay. New England or Columbus, is either of them going to jump us? New England has lost Turner, Buxa, and Buchanan yeah. this year. Um, those guys are going to be tough to replace. Um, Caleb Porter's getting fired this summer, so that'll yeah, be Caleb rough for Caleb Porter's Columbus. trying to lose his job. He's tanking. <laughs> <laughs> he hates living in Columbus. He wants to go somewhere else. So. I can't put into words how much I want to help him in his mission. Like, please, and just also, once. And also, of course, I'm not going to pick Columbus to jump us. So, yes, based on that analysis, we're finishing top seven. And Based and on my is... unwillingness to objectively rate yes. the Columbus side, I'm going to choose to believe Cincinnati is a playoff spot. And, folks, that's why people come to the post for that their, is... their soccer analysis. We have 50% I, I... more wins than Columbus right now. All right, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a worse analysis than that. I, th- <laughs> I think they're going ma- to make the playoffs because I think Albright's going to pull a rabbit out of his hat at the next transfer window. That... He brought Wobodo in this go around. Whoa. They've got they've got the, the 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 fun bucks to spend from all of their buying and selling of the allocation order. We're holding on to that allocation spot. For, but that's the Chekhov's gun in this fucking season. Is that we keep yes. refusing to sell that top spot. We keep trading and getting less value each time we do it. I have to believe that we're doing that for a reason. If there's someone yeah. that they want to bring in that's off the allocation list. That they think they can do in the next window, and I just everything he's touched on the roster has turned to gold so far, and I think he's got one more in him this year. Uh, high level Tam Gam type contract coming in off the allocation order, and I, I do think that this is a good, not great team. I agree with that analysis completely, Pat. 
but I think that they're they're one player, maybe a player and a half, if that makes sense, from being a great team. So we'll have Steve Anti-Pro, Gregerson and Matt Miazga walk in <laughs> in the upcoming transfer window. Is uh, Carlos Gorezo still in the U.S.? Can we prevent him from leaving? <laughs> no, you know what? I think that's a great point. If you can pull that move off for a high-impact player and, you know, there's no visa situation that <laughs> hangs him, like keeps him in purgatory for four weeks, you know, if you can get that person in here and get them on the field – I agree. This seems like the logical time to deploy that resource. Um, I mean, shit, Miazga's going to be here playing with Chelsea. He's Mr. Summer Friendly. So that's right. That's right. That's right. He'll be in Charlotte that's playing that match. Just, you know, just one-way Chris, plane ticket. Chris just needs to see Matt in person, as any good GM would, during Chelsea FC's Summer Tour of America. <laughs> I've heard that's going to be the clincher. I've heard worse reasons to request that the team comp you a luxury box seat down at the stadium down there. <laughs> yeah, All expenses yeah. paid to go watch sure. Chelsea play. Whoa, whoa, but, whoa, Chief, you're thinking of the wrong stadium. Why why not bring Chelsea to TQL? There's hey, surely hey. there is a Ohio Cup size hole in TQL's <laughs> schedule. <laughs> yes, bring bring Christian Pulisic back to Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, that's oh, gonna he'd be, a- be so pissed. <laughs> Sorry, they Christian. Ca- We're not showing up for that game either. <laughs> they, they call him Captain America. It turns out he's like Homelander. Oh, no. <laughs> Just absolute, absolute dead eyes. Views the rest of us as ants. All right, so I got to get Pat's take uh, on this real has, quick. We asked, yeah. we asked this on the podcast last week. If Christian Pulisic comes back to Cincinnati to play another friendly, not the World Cup, but the friendly, does Christian Pulisic get booed in Cincinnati after those comments? Oh man! Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I think if if it's like a if it's if it's a majority Cincinnati turnout, yeah, I mean, like no question, some yeah. portion of like if it's like all Bailey folks who are like yeah. you know those are the people who are really in tune with the nitty gritty details. I don't know if the casual observer heard about you know that uproar like that whole thing, but. He definitely gets booed, and um, yeah, I, I think for soccer fans so, in general, this is a loyal soccer fan base that they pay attention to these things. I think. Short answer: He gets booed. Yes, nice. yes, yep. that's what I want to hear. We're that's the correct I don't, answer. I don't think so. I think a couple of people <laughs> boo him, and then people around them are like, "What? What are you? What are you doing?" And so if, you actually, you gotta, like, if you, you spend follow this story, you know what, what you know what we're booing. If you followed, you're pulling you up Grant Wall's Twitter. Right. Like, well, yeah. look at it. No, look, look, look what he, what he said. said. Right. We had nineteen thousand. Kansas City also had nineteen thousand, and it if was twenty four thousand tickets sold. Uh, just, it wasn't even reported correctly. Just describing my Saturday night. I see. <laughs> <laughs> it's verbal meme. That one guy shouting at a woman that's trying not to pay attention to her. To him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else we want to touch on? Before? Yeah, I, I, I do, actually. One last thing. It's like sort of Please. tying into that. Pat, your take also. We, we have your take on the playoffs. Your take, does Cincinnati get selected to host World Cup games Ooh, when they yes. make the announcement here? Whoa. In about 10 days? Look, I, I can't back down from how I felt about this all along. So 
I think they do. Um, there we go. Look, yes. I, yes. I, look, I feel like I'm in a look, safe yeah. space right now. So if you guys will give me like three minutes, I'm just going to tell you how I feel about this. Okay? Go. Go. Take three right and a half in. Yeah, start the clock. Look, I am from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay? I loved living on the East Coast. I loved growing up there. Since I have moved to Ohio and Cincinnati more specifically, I have seen coastal elitism in the media. It is observable. It is yes. real. Okay? And I, the people I, I read and hear saying that, no, it's not going to be Cincinnati. Cincinnati is an outlier. There's no way. Like, these are all people in the media from the coasts, okay? And I think there's just a willful neglect to want to reach out to sources here and people here. Cincinnati has an incredible bid, you know? I'm not saying it's the strongest. It's not Los Angeles. It's not SoFi Stadium. It's not Pasadena, California. It's not a thing. But it's Cincinnati, and that's good enough with what Say they're going to be doing. Say it with your chest. Yes. It, it's going to be good enough. And I'm, there's no homer in me saying this. Like, and I do consider myself, uh, you know, Cincinnati is my home now. But I think, look, it's the same argument. It's li- almost, you know, just mix, t- take a, a couple words out here and replace them with these words there. Like, it's more or less the same arguments that we heard against FC Cincinnati's MLS bid. Yes. Okay. You have the same heavy hitters pulling the levers of both local government and business um, and politics to get this thing over the line that were involved in FC Cincinnati's successful bid to join MLS. Oh, and by the way, now uh, the governor's office is involved here in Ohio. Oh, the governor's office in the state of Indiana is also on board with this. Uh, And uh, Bashir was on hand for the uh, FIFA site visit in October. So Kentucky is on board with this at a very high governmental level. And when I when you boil it back down to the core people involved here, Lindner, um, Taylor from PNG, uh, even Jeff Birding, like these people have bet on soccer in Cincinnati. They've bet big in the past. They don't lose. These are people that would not want the embarrassment also. If they got word or had any inclination that this wasn't going to go their way, they would find a way to gracefully bow out. They're not. They're going to ride this thing all the way to whatever selection show we get on the 16th. (laughs) And um, look, I think you just look at, you, you you can take the face value stuff like that, and that's very telling to me that they feel like they have a strong bid. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to happen. I think this this World Cup needs a presence in America's Midwest. I think Cincinnati's, you know, I don't don't know if, like, the people involved at high levels in FIFA feel like they have a great option in the Midwest. But I think they acknowledge, as they did in 94 when the World Cup was in America, you need a presence in America's Midwest. Nashville, done. Chicago, long since done. Um, You know... Kansas City teetering on the edge. Cincinnati, Wait, Nashville's out. Cincinnati, no, but they have a stadium situation, uh, like a, okay. a pretty serious one. A lot, like a lot more serious than 
the um, Titans are replacing their stadium essentially, and there's huge questions as to whether or not they would even have an NFL sized stadium available for yeah, years to come World Cup. Yeah, tomorrow. yeah. So look, I, it's it it might be the least of questionable options in a geographic area, but they've look, these are smart people. I think they've done enough to get it over the line. Cincinnati's good enough. And I think people, while you might not say someone recently from the national media, someone from a coast, um, I'll protect them. I'll give them anonymity here. They, you know, they said, well, I've just been reading about, uh, you know, Cincinnati not getting to uh, not, you know, their world cup bid to host games is going to stall. And uh, I said, yeah, these people bet big and they don't lose though. And he's like, yeah, but it's Cincinnati a place. You have to think about it like this, Pat. Pat, you have to think about it like this. <laughs> let me tell is you. Cincinnati, let me learn you how this is. Is, is Yeah. Is Cincinnati a place that people coming from other countries, visitors, tourists, is that a place they really want to spend time? Is fucking yeah. Kansas City someplace they want to spend time? Come you know on. <laughs> Here's the answer. Here's the answer. Like so many people experience when they come here. It happened again last week when the national team was in town. Moroccan media members, whatever. You don't – maybe you don't – okay, fine. You're not well-versed in Cincinnati – lore and culture and crap whatever you get here and you have a great time it's all that matters you know this city's going to put on a good show convention center is going to be built convention center hotel book it book there we it. go there I'm we in. go come on yeah. oh, ready to I've, run through a brick I've wall i've never right now. gone from zero to 60 on hype on something so fast as i have on the bid selection TV show. I'm I'm all in now. I don't know if they're even going to do a thing. If it'll just be a press release, but I'm in. I'm way in on this. It'll be a guy I in want- like a. It'll be a guy in some sort of a headdress pulling ping pong balls out of a bucket. <laughs> yes. It's electric television. I love Could it. Could you imagine if everything is picked out until it's Kansas City or Cincinnati? They've they've essentially <laughs> and there's two little ping pong balls that they're going yeah. to pick. swirling yeah. it around. Oh, man. No. Pull, pull out just I'll be more surprised. I'll be more surprised than not. If <laughs> honestly, honestly, I know I'm all in. I, I'm completely with you on this, by the way, that the people just knowing the people that are involved in this project, there would be an effort actively to soft sell or back down or make a tactical retreat. If they knew or had a high sign or an indication that this wasn't going to happen. And to me, the other telling part of all this is how quiet the Cincinnati Bengals have been. Because Mm. a lot of the renovations they're going to want are going to get rolled into the stadium upgrade process. And that suddenly Mike Brown and Katie Blackburn aren't the bad guys asking for all these amenities. It's, we have to roll the red carpet out for FIFA. We need to build all these things in the stadium. We need to develop this area around the stadium. Oh, that indoor practice facility we want for the Cincinnati Bengals. Wouldn't it be great if there was another indoor area for a team to train on? And a lot of these things get a lot easier for the for the Bengals if the World Cup bid is given to Cincinnati and we've got four years to start building a few more of these oh. sports-related infrastructure pieces. Chief, I now, I now have a new worry. If we don't get the World Cup bid... I don't know if it's a worry. If we don't get the World Cup bid, Bengals are gone, right? There's, <laughs> Joe, there's Bur- Joe Burrow be, won't allow that to happen. He won't allow it. No. I, Joe Burrow will be a superstar in London. I don't think he'll be worried one <laughs> on, no, bit. No, on this, on, this <laughs> sele- on this World Cup selection show you're talking about, 
it'll be Joe Burrow drawing that ping pong ball out from the bin that pulls Cincinnati's name out. This is that. Come that's on. how you. That's how you get every television set in Cincinnati tuned into this. Is you promise Joe Burrow being involved to be the bid committee chairperson for Cincinnati that's pre- uh, present at this drawing. I mean, if it were my choice, it'd be GB, but that's probably why I don't <laughs> run a, a soccer team. <laughs> He's just like, oh, you guys are still around? Like, this is impressive. I figured right. we would have folded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. No, great, great stuff. No, I, I love that. I'm hype. Um, and I'll, I'll go ahead and throw a name out there. Take that, Grant Wall. Put that in your, <laughs> your sub stack and smoke it. Come on yeah. now. We're going to do this. <laughs> yeah. F- fuck off, Skeletor. Oh. <laughs> I think I, I think with that, we'll, uh, let's end this conversation before uh, Pat has to uh, trade in his journalist card. Um <laughs> Uh, no, honestly, Pat, this was this was great. This was fantastic. Um, oh, thanks, guys. Thanks so much. I mean, speaking for myself, I mean, I, I, I think you might have played yourself into a contract here. So, Whoa, I, <laughs> wow, we pay negative dollars, but hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to contribute to the website fee. <laughs> but, yeah. but you play your cards right and get invited to get a little Sichuan chili up in Evendale here pretty soon. We do our roundtable discussions. <laughs> That is, if if anybody wanted to crash uh, the post Illuminati, that would probably be your best bet. There. Or the Tunnel Club during Open Cup. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Find find Brenner during an Open Cup match, and, and the post is nearby. <laughs> oh, no, oh, awesome! Great episode, guys. 